0: Welcome to the Understanding Projects podcast. My discussion today is with Jennifer Beckett. Jennifer is a project manager working in the public service sector. Her background in sociology and project management and her passion for public service has positioned her to work on projects in community housing, homelessness, COVID emergency response, immigration and settlement, and many other worthwhile endeavors. She has a special interest in the connections between community organizations And governing systems and their impact on the lived experience of citizens. Our discussion today is on the topic of power and influence. Jennifer talks about the importance of effective communication leadership and approaches for influencing project team members and other stakeholders in order to achieve project goals. Here is Jennifer Beckett. So, what do you think makes for an effective leader during projects?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think effective leadership for me is a lot. Of, is It's really kind of multifaceted, right? So, I think how do you connect with your team? How do you get to know them? Um, you know, do people want to follow you? Do people want to like you um, and kind of get on board? And kind of at the same time, leaning into some of those, um, you know, maybe harder characteristics of being able to like draw some boundaries around things like where the scope of your project is, um, being able to, to, to gauge what an appropriate yes is to your team and an appropriate no, um, you know, at different times. So I think that it, it really depends on the makeup of your team um, and being really mindful and having that emotional intelligence of, Um, you know, where are my strengths as a leader, right? So for me being uh, a 30 something female with, you know, one kind of resume versus you who might have, you know, in a different cohort, in a different demographic that has a different kind of resume, we're probably going to lead very differently and might be equally effective, right? Depending on how we come at it, I'm probably not going to use the same exact style you would, um, but that doesn't make one way necessarily better than the other.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And I've often, you know, the danger of of looking at someone that you see as as being a great leader, and then trying to completely copy and emulate them, like you can certainly learn things. But if you try to be that person, it can come across like it works because they are them. And you are you. So you have to find out what that what that is. What? What? What is it about you that makes that that makes for a good leader?
1: Yeah, like I think some people have a certain kind of authority that they might just walk into a room and like command a room where, you know, for me, I tend to, you know, come into a room and I lean into like really co-creation and and leveraging skill sets. And um, I, I just think, yeah, it depends on what you bring to the table and not trying when you try to bring something to the table as a leader that you're not and that you can't effectively emulate from maybe some, you know, from one of to your point one of your mentors or someone you look up to, um, it's really hard to sustain that through a project, especially longer ones, if it's not coming authentically to you.
0: Yeah. And and that that when you when you mentioned that, you know, the person who comes into the room, and we've all experienced this, they, you know, the person comes in and, and all of a sudden they almost command your attention you you know heads you know people start listening and heads turn and so on versus there's other people that don't have that but they do it in different ways and that that almost speaks to the the one of the key concepts um of of power of power and influence and um how do you how do you see that like what are what are the things that that project managers you know and managers in general need to think about that because if we're talking about project managers a lot of times you don't have what's called positional or legitimate uh, power or authority you you, um, the people don't report to you you're not the boss of them so you can't use that Um, what what do you do then in those situations
1: yeah I think I think a couple of different Things come to mind for me here. So one being having some perspective. So being able to remove yourself a little bit from where you might see yourself in hierarchy. So this is something in my role, um, in kind of my you know my regular nine to five project management role that I I employ quite often. And I have a close relationship, for example, with senior leadership. So I work closely with directors, um, you know, a com- the commissioner team, uh, management level, senior senior leaders. And um, I work really closely with you know, more frontline staff. So staff that are doing the work that have like that kind of hands-on expertise. And so being able to understand fully how to build relationships with folks at all different levels of the hierarchy of the organization you're working in and then being able to understand how they meld together, where the friction is, and you know where the opportunity is to build teamwork and to align folks to work towards the same project goal, hopefully. So I think in building kind of a power um, or a, an influence with you know different levels of team when it comes to project management, understanding what people's goals are. Uh, you know, what motivates them, what inspires them, and at the end of the day, like, who they're responsible and accountable to um, will help you as a project manager and helps me regularly as a project manager think about, okay, I'm dealing with a stakeholder right now who is in senior leadership level, and we're all trying to get to the same place, but they're, um, you know, trying to address a political fire that's happening somewhere, and so how can I... Address the political fire with them, say, yes, we, we recognize this is a challenge. And how do we solve this challenge or this conflict with the scope of our project to bring things back to where we think we're all going together and kind of hold that in alignment, hold that tension? Um, you know, I think no matter what level of leadership or hierarchy someone is in in an organization, everybody wants to feel like you're on their team and everybody wants to feel like you have their back. Um, and being able to listen and understand where they're coming from as, you know, not just a, a person, yes, but also as their responsibility as a leader or a frontline staff person um, and lean into that and, you know, bring that back to the, the more narrow focused goal of the project. Um, for me, I yeah. think that helps to build that influence over time and also helps people to trust you over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah what is it that you, you're right you're, you're trying to build that influence right you're trying to you know you're you're working with them for some end you know you you've got some problem that you need to have solved or you, we, we need to get something done by a certain point or there's something going on that we're trying to work together on something and, and therefore want them to you know do what uh, either what the, what the the project goals are or what you see as the best solution in this case or together you you know collaborate on the best solution what is it and you, you I think you described a few of them but just to go to sort of linger on that for a moment why would they listen to you like what what you know not everybody listens to everyone right we there are some That's people true. we listen to <laughs> and there's some people we disregard what are the things that the qualities that will 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 get them to be on your side or at least not dismiss what you say immediately, you know,, um. What do you think? Yeah,
1: there's a couple of things. I think from a soft skills kind of perspective, it's like, are you a good listener? Have you heard them? Are you making an effort to say, um, you know, yes, Dave, I hear you. I hear your challenges. Can you tell me more about that so I can have a bigger picture and how that fits in? You know, leaning on those soft skills of leadership that we talk about so often in project management, Um, you know, active listening, empathy, uh, emotional intelligence, those kinds of pieces. I think additionally to that and in a more technical skill set sense, being able to back up your recommendations in your risk matrix, in your communications planning, Um, you know, how is this reflected in your scope, why is the recommendation that you're making in alignment with the project goals and scope, Um, you know, what are the risks of doing an action? What are the risks of not taking an action? Um, and being able to lay that out for people, especially if they outrank you in an organization, to say, look, at the end of the day, you know, Dave, this is up to you, what decision you're going to make. What I'm recommending is action A, because if you don't do it, this are these are the risks you're going to possibly incur. If you do, these are the risks and the benefits as well. And so I think leaning on that documentation piece And really having a fulsome understanding of why you know why those things matter it's not just a checklist exercise to say yep we've identified risks here. Um, You know check mark never think about it again, Um, those are tools, you can use as a project manager to help push your your team forward, not from a personal you know, necessarily lens of, I want this to happen as the project manager. And so I'm going to recommend an action. It's like, well, no, my job is to move the project forward. This is what you've told me your goals are. And so this is how you're, I'm going to be able to help get you there. Not just because I'm a good listener, but also because I understand the full picture of action versus non-action in a certain, you know, instance.
0: Yeah. So there, there's two I think important sides that you were describing there. The one was the act of listening, the empathy, the, you know, being the honesty with them perhaps. And that one, to me, if we think about the different sources of power, that one would be, I think generally grouped in the the, the source of power called referent power mm. or or might be refer. i'm not even sure if the pronouncing the pronunciation is 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 uh referent or referent but in any sense um and just a, a couple of things uh, on that i've always found that source of power kind of a hard one to describe that you almost have to just give examples like we've just done well it's active yeah. listening and it's this and it's this and it's this and it's this. And it, and it's, it's it are, it's those things that I think when you when you first gave the first example when you said you know that person that just commands the room, they're heavy they're they're high in 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 referent power. Um, just a, a quick aside, funny story. I was just having a class this 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 term and and um, was trying to describe what referent power was, and Googled it and and, and uh, funny enough, now this is completely unverified, but I just thought it was a funny anecdote. Uh, somebody had the uh, whatever whoever the the writer was of this google post had the idea that perhaps the original researchers uh, misspelled it and should be reverend power so mm. <laughs> that would be that would be a funny joke we'd, we'd have to talk to the people it was that <laughs> that theory was done it'd be out. the
1: first time that history you know gives yeah. some revision <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyways back to uh referent power which is what it officially is called um how do you like we, we if we kind of have this sense that it's this Uh, you know, person who is, you know, has sort of a, commands the room, a bit of a, you know, sort of a reputational thing. How do you, the the, the key question is, how do you get that? Like what, Mm. for the person who's new, that's just starting with an organization, their, their referent power is probably pretty low. Um, You know, not zero, but, but not, not high. How do you develop that? What's the strength? Do you have strategies?
1: Yeah, I think for me, and and this one comes, I think from, you know, leaders that I've seen come into an organization as well and stuff that maybe I've tried, you know, trial and error, what works for, what works for you, what works for me, um, is really coming in and, and listening. And I know, I've, I feel like I've, you know, said that a couple of times already, um, but because it's so valuable, right? Like you want to come in and listen to people and not just, you know, think that, you know, stuff that has maybe probably been tried before, um, You know, one example that I I think about often, and and I don't work specifically in in this area uh, with with the municipality, um, but when people talk about bike lanes, for example, right, and how do we increase active transportation in the region of Waterloo, um, you know, or whatever the issue is, but for this particular one, um, and you get new leaders or, or voices in the community that come in and say, well, haven't you just tried putting in bike lanes? And of course, you've got people working in an organization that have been here for 20, 30, 40 years in some cases saying, yeah, you don't think we've thought of that. So you kind of come at it as, you know, what does it mean to the people that you're leading or are learning from to be able to lead to kind of think about where they've been and their journey to get to where they are, especially if you're coming into organizations that have been around for a long time, okay. um, you know, because people have great ideas. People, you know, people aren't stupid. You know, people have been doing their jobs sometimes for decades. Um, they thought of everything in the book. And so, you know, listening to where where teams have been, what their barriers have, have been like, where their successes have been. And then as a leader, I think being able to say, okay, are those barriers, do they still exist? Are we still facing the same barriers, whether it's financial, infrastructural, um, you know, power related? Um, it could be a hundred things. Um, you know, and really taking the time to learn the culture of an organization, the dynamics between teams. So that you're not essentially putting your foot in your mouth, you know, a month into a new position or a new leadership role to say, oh, well, if I had to just ask some questions to begin with, then maybe we would have a better sense of why we are in this position rather than just we are in this position.
0: Right, right. That's a really good point. And I and I've been I've experienced that of, of watching uh people come into an organization and they're in a meeting with a group of people and they, instead of listening, they're just speaking and, and saying all kinds of things that are not in context that are, that, you know, the organize like you said, the organization may have thought of, they may not be, you know, may not really be something that's effective. And they're unfortunately not realizing that that is affecting the opinion of everybody around the table of potentially very important stakeholders that are suddenly getting the impression of, oh, this person just likes to talk and they're not they they, they you're saying so much about your, yourself so the best really good advice is when you join an organization uh you know listen more than you speak you know it doesn't mean you don't speak like don't sit there and say nothing but um listen first you know get a lay of the land figure out what's already known ask questions um and and you know that will allow you then to when you do speak <laughs> People will say, "Oh, that was that was something that was well well thought out."
1: Yeah, one thing I, what a piece of advice I got years ago that I, I think about often is, especially when you're coming in, especially if you're trying to lead a new team, um, you know, especially if you know people don't know you very well, you're coming in brand new, you're just starting out in your project management kind of career, and you're trying to build trust, um, is as much as possible be the last person to speak around the table, right? Because then you're having a chance to hear everyone's response. Gauge the dynamics of the team because you're going to pick up on stuff, right? You're gonna you're gonna be able to hear, oh, uh, you know, Jackie and Chris don't get along very well, um, and you can pick up pick up the tension maybe in the room, or you know, we've we've been down this road. People are tired. People are frustrated with this one specific solution. Um, you know, kind of understanding who is more quiet at the table and thoughtful, right? Some just reading the room, learning your team. Um, so that when you're responding you're not shutting people down too right so if two people at a five at the table are, have spoken and then all of a sudden you as the new leader jump in and and start to you know rally your ideas around and they're so you know your ideas are valuable too but your job in that moment in the beginning is to figure out what is going on with everybody else um, and and encourage all voices hopefully to be heard at that table um, with yours going last so that you're responding to the team and not, you know, to one individual at a time. If I agree with you out of the gate and, you know, make that known, then someone else with a different idea may think, oh, well, the new leader already agrees with Dave. So they might not voice a dissenting opinion, which might really be brilliant too. And so I think you can miss some opportunity if you jump in too soon and too boldly.
0: Yes. Yeah. And just and and you really, when you're in those situations is really think about what is really happening to try to think of instead of just your own point of view, think of the system of what's going on in the room, Mm -hmm. that what are the how are other people viewing you? Are they viewing you as, you know, the person who just tries to jump in and talk over people kind of the blowhard sort of thing? Or are you reflective? Are you contemplative are you fair are you you know are you um collaborative and all those things are building up your bank account of uh, of referent power and and that's if you think about it that way of you're building you're building your reputation and so on it's and how you're being viewed that's you know i i think that's really good um the second part of kind of what you said was you know have your, you know, I sort of interpreted as you were saying to, you know, make sure that you've done your homework a little bit, that you've got your plans in place, that you've, you know, checked your risk register or whatever, if that's what you're talking about. And, and I, and I kind of view that as to, you know, kind of know what you're talking about, you know, do, do your homework. That's more of the expertise power side of things. And I kind of, kind of view that as two sides of the same coin. You know, that's, if, if you're, if you're a really empathetic listener, but don't, you know, didn't do your homework, don't have the background, that's nice, but you need that other part too, which is you need competency. And and so that's a, that's a key one as well.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes in leadership discussions and power and influence and, you know, those kinds of discussions, we We tend to forget a little bit about those technical skills like you. It's so important to have the great soft skills and leadership skills and all those personality traits that you want to nurture and foster as a leader. But you still need to know what you're talking about, Um, you know, to your to your point. And I think that especially for coming into teams and something that I experience often is folks that have been in their role for many, many years or have been in the organization for many, many years. So if I come into a meeting and t- start talking about stuff that, you know, I actually have no clue what I, if I had just read an extra four or five documents would have helped bolster that conversation um, you know, it does it does the team a disservice, and it does a disservice to myself and to the project overall, right? Because it's really hard to rebuild. Like it creates a gap between you and your team, and if that gap right out of the gate is your team walking away from that introduction, that kickoff meeting, um, you know, or, or a couple of managers that you need, a couple of champions you need on your side saying this girl doesn't know anything about our business, doesn't know anything about the industry or the sector. Um, it's really hard to regain that. Um, you know, trust and that reputational kind of impact it can be really difficult to, you know, you're starting in from a negative, right? Yeah. And I think that's really hard to rebuild. And I think to that point too, there's gonna be times where you maybe you don't have time to do a full six weeks of research into whatever it is you're being thrown into. So then just say that, you know, I think it does to be to your, a point you made earlier about being honest, transparent saying, okay, guys, I just got this assignment. Literally yesterday, yep. I'm still getting caught up to speed. Um, asking them for their input and, and expertise and just saying, you know, I haven't gone through the risk matrix yet or the risk register. I'm not sure. What do you think about, you know, these ideas and being really, transparent about where you are, um, you know, is going to give yourself a little bit of leeway and a little bit of grace so that when you misspeak, when you don't know something, you can say, right, true. I'm still getting caught up. And your team knows that, Um, you know, versus coming in and saying, I know all the things about this project. I am here to solve your problems. Um, And then really, you know, you don't have the first clue is not, is both a technical fault and a, a soft skill fault, I would argue.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's so important not to fake it. You know, if you if you go in and 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 you know make things up because you don't want to admit that, like you said, that transparency of saying, you know, hey, I, I didn't get a chance to 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 read the report. Let's talk about it. You know, like fill me in, or that people will respond well to honest, you know, uh, admissions as opposed to they will very much become suspicious if they think someone's trying to you know, uh, pull a fast one on them and, and, and fake knowledge. Um, you know, so I, that is, that is so, you know, I, I really agree. That's, that's so important. Oh yeah. What I was going to say was, and, and there's many times when you don't, you can't possibly have more expertise than your team members. For example, if you're managing a team of engineers or a team that has engineers on it and you're not an engineer, you can't possibly know the technical knowledge that they do know, but you need to know what there's a certain amount you do need to know. And you got to figure that out. You got to be able to talk to them and not go, Oh my goodness, you're an engineer. I can't possibly talk to you. Of course you can. So you got to figure out where's that line that you need to know this, they'll fill in the rest, you know? And yeah, that happens all the time.
1: Yeah. And I think too, sometimes that comes down to, you know, pulling people outside of a group meeting. Right. So I worked on a project um, last year, we were building a portal for an application system um, for a, a social service program. And, you know, it'd been under construction for a long time with the developer. And I'm, I'm not a software engineer. I don't know the first thing about, you know, coding. I have never coded anything in my life. Um, but to be, to sit in a meeting and, you know, criticize the developer as the project manager, for me to sit there and say, why isn't this done? And going through the list of, you know, incomplete deliverables. Is some of that valid in the sense of why is this taking so long? Yes, that's my job, right, as the project manager to say where's the accountability? What are the timelines? What does this look like? And also then to, you know, maybe call John, my developer on the side and say, what am I missing here? You know, this is taking a long time. Are there, is there stuff happening on the back end that I just, I wouldn't know without, you know, having that expertise and a, that builds your relationship with your stakeholder, right? So it gives you a little bit of a different kind of backend channel of communication, which is important when things get you know, sticky and you're in the thick of things and, um, you know, there's money on the line or deliverables on the line or you've made promises to the public, for example. And it also helps you as a project manager learn a little bit of that content um, versus just context of project, right? So you can learn what it means, like, it might take a software engineer five times longer than I think it would to code out a new interface for a, for a portal, right? For an application. I have no idea how long that takes. My job is to learn about it so that then when you say, okay, this should take me five weeks, and then it takes you 10 weeks, I can say, okay, John, what happened? You told me five weeks. That's why I have that conversation, you know, and be able to hold some accountability and that tension in the project. But without, yeah, to your point, without, learning a little bit about the content of what you're, you know, managing, it's really hard to do that with any kind of authority.
0: Yeah. And, and what I've, what I found too, is if, again, if you built that relationship with the, 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 you know, the highly technical resources on your team um, and if you, there's a certain amount of confidence you need to be able to do this, which is to say, okay, you know, um, Joe, could you, let's, let's, could you put put that in layperson's terms? What is what is the yeah. if you can get them to translate and then you train, then you can find that common, that common terminology, you know, but a lot of times people new to 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 this will just be sort of afraid of the terminology and not try to find a middle ground be- between, between different areas.
1: Yeah, which I think it can cause such a disservice and like unnecessary stress in a project right I think if you're transparent from the beginning as a project manager like you're not going to always and probably most times, depending on the structure that you're working within be the expert on the team of what you're building or you know managing. your job isn't to be the end all, you know, be all know all of the things, whether it's software or engineering or, you know, a policy or a program. Your job is to leverage the strength of the team members that you've rallied and that have been assigned to the project.
0: Right. So,
1: you know, lean on those on those folks, you know, going into a project, trusting that your team is competent, smart, has the expertise that you need to move things forward, you know, balancing with reading the room and understanding where there might be, you know, right. some deficiencies maybe in your team, um, you know, understanding where you where you sit as a project manager and not yeah. trying to be everything and be every, you know, everything to everybody.
0: Yeah. And and that's what, you know, really, really good leaders will figure that out as to as to do that. Now, a question I have, and, and it's just sort of a, you know, there there's often a really overlap or intersection between communication and leadership you know that uh, you know and and almost a question i have and i was just thinking about this before we we started talking you know are great leaders really good communicators or are good communicators really great leaders like is it which which way's the arrow or, first? <laughs> or, or is it what do you what do you think in terms of leadership and communication
1: i think it's it's a good question it's a bit of a brain teaser i think because when i think about you know, my own development as, you know, a leader of projects and, you know, with, within certain kinds of contexts, you have to be a good communicator to be successful at leading, I think, right? Yeah. Do you have to be a leader to be a good communicator? I don't know. I think lots of people can be a communicators and be really valuable as, you know, a team member. So I think like, to answer your question from my perspective, every lead, Every good leader is a good communicator, but not every good communicator must be a leader.
0: Right. Agreed. Agreed. So how do you if 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 good if if being a good communicator will, will you know, enables you to lead? Doesn't you don't have to. Like it does, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have all everybody, there's everyone should be able to communicate. But but if if great leaders, you know, use a be, you know, they they need communication, how do you develop like what how do you do that? What's, what do you do? How do you, are you born with it or, or is there ways to develop it?
1: I think both. I think that's where referent power really comes into play, right? Is how do you nurture relationships? How do you, are you honest with people? Are you kind to people? Um, You know, can you use appropriate, you know, jargon when you need to, especially in really like inter, um, uh, Uh, really tight teams that are working in like one niche area. I think that it does take practice. It is a skill set to have that kind of communication ability. And also I think you have to, has to come a little bit authentically at times too, right? Like the more comfortable you are with yourself as a person, I think will lend itself to your leadership style, your communication style, um, it's a tough question i think to answer honestly yeah. i'm kind of well, like working it, it, it out as we're talking
0: exactly no you're yeah. doing, you, there it is it, it is a question that doesn't have a succinct answer mm-hmm. there, there's lots of strategies and i i know myself it's you know practice makes not perfect but makes better
1: right um,
0: i do know when i first started you know i i I'm just thinking of of teaching prior to that, I was in, you know, industry and project management and so on. So had lots of chances to communicate. But teaching as a specific form of communication. I remember in the early days, it was kind of nerve wracking. It's like, you, you'd almost get a little nervous. At, and, and probably if I could go back and watch some of my early lectures, they probably weren't that good. And <laughs> they're probably but,
1: great, Dave. <laughs> well,
0: they weren't as good. But, sure. <laughs> um, but, but they have certainly improved over time just by doing it. It just right. me comfortable in figuring out, you know, Hey, I'm not, you know, we, we, you know, sometimes we, and again, it's being authentic. We often think of that, you know, professor that was in dead poet society, the Robin Williams, you know, we're not that we're not Robin Williams, you know, like, right. you know, we're, who are we then? And that's, that's the key thing is to figure out who that is and, and then leverage that. Yeah.
1: And I think too, yeah, to your point, leveraging it, lean into it, be honest with yourself and show up, kind of bring yourself to your leadership role. Like one thing I talk about um, with my director quite often is I'm not really interested, for me, in managing the day-to-day ongoings of a team. I don't care about improving vacation time. I don't care about, you know, if you need a sick day, like, yeah, sure, great. I'm interested in doing the project management. And so that referent power, that ability to kind of influence without authority, like, those pieces are what interest me. And so what serves me well as a leader personally is to just acknowledge that, call a spade a spade, you know, not try to take on things in my portfolio that I'm going to drop the ball on, knowingly going into it, right? And that allows me space to really nurture those things that I'm kind of already good at that I have interest in and that serve my projects well. Um, You know, there's lots of people that are really interested in doing the supervisory pieces in in other people's work and that are interested in doing that and want to. So I am happy to let them do that. Um, It allows them to lead in a way that works for them that wouldn't work for me, right? Mm -hmm. And so in an organization and a project team, you need all kinds of different leadership. I don't, for me, I don't see a ton of value necessarily in stepping into a place where I'm just not interested. And maybe later in my career where it makes sense to take a different step, sure. But if you're one of those people who, like me, just want to, you know, we have a goal, we're a team, we're working towards it. I don't need to be your boss in order to make it happen. Perfect. Awesome. There's lots of space for people like that in project management and leadership, just like there's lots of space for people that want to, you know, have a team of nine that, you know, report into them. And that's great. And that's awesome. Right. And there's lots of need for that, too.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's find out, find out your interest. And, I, and I've had points in, that in, in my career when I've gone, there, there was major parts of my job that I just didn't like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and dreaded it. And that's like, that's a signal to maybe either you know, learn why you don't like it and develop that or move into an area you do not do like. Just the, the one thing you 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 mentioned about, um, you know, working with your director that we, we talked a little bit before we started and the, the term managing up was was used, which mm-hmm. is really kind of related to this, you know, that we're talking about is is influencing managing up is really means, you know, influencing, you know, those higher than you in the organization you know, and, and, and it's almost from a personal managing up often has a, you know, personal career development sort of, sort of feel to it. Um, so I'm, I'm just my, I guess my, my question is, is how do you do this without the negative side if sometimes it's viewed by, it can be viewed by others as, oh, you're just trying to be the, you know, the boss's pet or the, the teacher's pet and they're just, and, and sometimes it can harm, your relationships at, at the, at your level, how do you navigate that? Have you run into that? And, and, and um, you know, for that, cause I agree managing up is really important, but how do you do it?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think it looks a little bit different for everyone again, kind of based on your social location, you know, again, for me, I'm a 30 something female in a, you know, with a certain resume in a certain kind of organization for me it's, a couple, a couple really key things. One is keeping it very professional. So, you know, not ever leaning too heavily into um, the personal side of why I'm making a recommendation. I might really believe strongly in what I'm recommending. And I, hopefully I do. Hopefully I'm always taking on projects that I believe in, um, especially working in social services, you know, community impact, that kind of work. Um, but keeping that personal, the personality out of it to an extent and and keeping things professional with those relationships with those that are you know outranking you your bosses their bosses sometimes um and and that kind of interpersonal work um in addition to that i think again to go back to some of the documentation pieces having everything that you're doing every recommendation you're making being well documented well supported by the legwork that you're doing managing upwards And having that kind of impact and being essentially an advisor to those that are outranking you in an organization means you have to put the legwork in. you got to do the work Mm -hmm. to make sure that your recommendation is well-founded, that it has legs, um, you know, so that if they decide to fact check you and go around you and ask your staff, Um, you know, is this true? Where is this data coming from? That it's well supported. You've got to know your stuff. Um, it's something that, you know, when you're well supported, you've been, you know, professional in your recommendations, you really know the impact and can see it from a bigger picture. It's hard to argue with that kind of fact and logic, right? Um, and a lot of people, as they climb the ladder in organizations, do so because they can look at fact and logic, hopefully. Right. Um, that's the hope, I think, that we all have in our leadership. So I think, again, it's, it goes back to the, what we've kind of themed throughout, maybe incidentally, that those soft skills are really important, but the technical ability and the strength behind it is what's going to give you that real influence at the end of the day without looking like you're being you know, a teacher's pet or a yeah. leader's pet.
0: Yeah, like it's it's a really interesting challenge and it's one that you, people should really think about because, you know, organizations, if if, if you're just going to be that, you know, uh, boss's pet, teacher's pet, you're, you're just the yes person then. You're just, oh, yeah. you're, that was the greatest idea I've ever heard. Of course, it, you're just being the yes person. Um, and Organizations, if you really look at it further, they're they're that's not really ultimately what they want. They want yeah. someone who's going to have ideas that critically thinks, that provides recommendations, but does it respectfully and isn't you know giving the impression to their boss that you know of course why wouldn't you do this dummy like they it, it's done in a very tactful uh, you know uh, um, um, in a just respectful way. That again, using those interpersonal, you know, referent power skills and, and abilities that you have, you can then influence your your boss higher levels. And, and it's a win-win because things are going to be done maybe more effectively. They also get a positive view of you when promotion time comes around or okay. end of your raises and things like that. It's all kind of works well together, but it's an important thing is to view as managing up is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing.
1: It is a a good thing to work
0: on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think too, being able to recognize, you know, to that critical thinking point of if my boss says to me, Hey, can you vet this idea for me? Or can you look at this and kind of think about how it might impact, you know, the goals of what we're trying to achieve here and being able to say, Hey, you know what? I see the value in this idea, but I think for right, like this doesn't fit into this. And this is why being able to say, no i actually don't think that's a great idea right. in a way that is tactful and respectful and saying not a great idea necessarily in this way how could we pivot how can right. we shift it together um, and understanding you know to what we talked about kind of earlier on in our conversation around what's motivating that leader you know what is it that they're being held accountable for in their individual role outside of maybe the project team and being able to pull in Some of those pieces to a pivot right Right. if you have to sometimes you can say yes that's a fabulous idea because it is one other times you have to say you know respectfully that's the worst idea i've ever heard in a way that you know build your and hopefully you build a relationship with your leadership so you can say that honestly respectfully professionally all those things but to say you know if we go down that road it Could blow up in our faces, right? Um, But at the end of the day, recognizing that you're not the decision maker in a lot of cases, too, right? It's a
0: it's a real tricky one because, um, you know, while you don't want to be that yes person, you don't want to also be the always no person. Absolutely, you know, the negative, (laughs) you know, there's you know negative Dave. That's everything's wrong in the world. You you also don't want to be that person, and but there's also a point in every organization where the decision has been made. And your job now is to support it. Like you, that's, right. that, that's something to, real, to, to really understand when is the decision still open and when is it closed? And when it's closed, for you to continue to rail against it, again, will start to decrease your power base, right? Is it Because you'll be viewed as, oh, okay, doesn't like change, you know, is resistant, yes. you know, et cetera, obstinate. Those, those are words you don't want associated with yourself.
1: Yeah, and I think too, being able to recognize why that, why that makes it so important that when someone does come to you and say, Hey, you know, in my case, Hey, Jenny, we're vetting this idea, how does this impact the project to say at that point, I don't think this is a good idea, or I do think this is a good idea. So that when the decision is closed, you can feel personally and professionally that you've said your piece that you believe in what you've said, um, and that you can carry out, you know, the the next steps, the way that they have to get done, whether you're really on board or not, Um, you know, whether you really believe in the decision or agree with it you know, but that you aren't feeling like kicking yourself later for saying, oh, I wish I would have said this or, oh, I wish I would have done a better job vetting the idea. Because if I had, I would have seen this risk ahead of time. Um, So really doing your due diligence when you're asked to vet something or asked to explore an option so that when the decision is closed, everyone is on the same page. It's as transparent as possible. um, You know, when you're not going back to be like, oh, I wish I would have really said something earlier because you could have.
0: Right, right. Um, so, Jenny, this has been an excellent discussion. I've had. I, I, um, we, we've covered a lot of areas of, of power and influence and communication, and so it's such an important topic. Like, you know, again, I, I, I always go back to, to, to students, uh, you know, uh, and, and talk about, you know, this is often why things fail. It's not because maybe the incorrect project you know scheduling software was selected it comes back to communication and leadership and interpersonal and so on it's the way teams work together so this has been a a really really good discussion, uh, discussion on some really good tips for how to people to navigate you know their themselves in that area and in their career.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, I could talk about this all day. So <laughs> um, it's something that I think is so important. And, and yeah, that marriage really of emotional intelligence, soft skills, and like the technical really backup to give you your, you know, your, your gun power, uh, at the end of the day, your firing power. It's so interesting to me and so um, important for successful leadership and, and project management. Um, but thanks for having me. And I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, lots, lots, to reflect on for the remainder
0: of the day yeah, yeah yeah good okay well thanks again that's it for this episode if you would like to learn more about project management you can find my book understanding project management a practical guide on amazon please also consider following understanding projects on your favorite podcast player or clicking subscribe on youtube